guys welcome back to the fieldcraft survival podcast i hope your week is treating you right this is your host for the ad space austin and i'm sitting down with my marketing buddy here rob hey what's going on guys hey how how do you think everybody likes two podcasts a week i don't know man i think uh, it up a little bit i know we're we're putting in the work so it's a lot of fun though Um, that's good yeah because we're getting more guests in so it's (laughs) we get to meet cool people it's always fun um and actually we went abroad for this podcast but we're going to get to that first we're going to talk to you about our sponsors. And the first one up, again, switching it up a little bit, is Casey Highlights. Ooh. So our friends over at Casey Highlights, Taylor, Ali, all the guys over there, great dudes, uh, and they make a great product. They do. We're gonna go up uh, to Easter Jeep Safari and meet up with Casey. They're doing mm-hmm. some uh, trail runs and stuff down there, and um, it, it, they make great products. They look great, they yeah. they work great. I mean, it's just, they, they've been in business over 50 years. I mean, obviously, That's they've insane. been doing doing things right. Yeah, and in Easter Jeep Safari will be fun. It's just going to be a, a big link up for a lot of people in the space and the community. And um, riding out on a trail ride with them, I'm hoping I'm, we're going to have time. I'm going to stop for lunch, teach a little survival block, maybe a little bit of stop the bleed or something with them. So that way, anybody that's tagging along can can get a little bit of inside oh, yeah, knowledge and for sure. get a little course out of it or something. So nothing confirmed yet, but I think, I think we can squeeze it in. Yeah, hopefully. So guys, head over to caseyhighlights.com. Use code FIELDCRAFT and it'll save you 10% on your next purchase over there. And next up is our friends at Triarch Systems. As always, they will always be here because they have been with us since day one. Some of the OG sponsors for us, Chris Reeves and the gang are some great folks over there and they make an amazing weapon system. They always have and they always will. Yep. I mean, it's just great guns. Yeah, you can't, you can't go wrong. I know a lot of the instructors for Fieldcraft, uh, Raul beats the snot out of anything he's <laughs> given. That's just how he is. He's like a gorilla. Yes, Raul, I called you a gorilla. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just how he treats his gear, right? And it's not necessarily out of irresponsibility. It's just the way you treat it as a tool, as it should be. You're out on the road all the time. You gotta use it. Right. And, and it's gonna get banged around. It is. on the range, in the dirt. In the rain, you all that You don't always stuff. have time to clean your guns, man. You don't, like, you don't. And I'll, and what, what do you do? But these systems continue to perform. They've never failed uh, for any of our guys. Um, that's why they're here. That's why we're associated with companies like Triarch because it's the best of the best. So, guys, head over to TriarchSystems.com. Use code FIELDCRAFT, and it'll save you 5%. And last up, we just want to talk about actually our guest, uh, Mark Warnke, mm-hmm. um, who has been a backcountry guide for many years. And is very well known as the goat guy. Um, So he actually builds, uh, and he talks about all this in the podcast, but he builds little saddles, pack saddles for his goats and will pack his goats into the backcountry to hunt or just to carry his gear. Uh, It's really incredible. And uh, Mark actually has built an entire website called packgoats.com. And he has a ton of training videos on there and a lot of information. He's on training. There. He sells goats, right? He does. He, he sells he, goats. He raises them. He uses them himself. Mm-hmm. He trains people on them. Yep. On packing them, on the maintenance of, of owning goats, what right. they need, all that, um, and selecting goats, like yeah. the whole process. Yeah, it, it's insane because a, a lot of people don't even know this, but uh, goats are one of the most self-sustaining animals that you can take into the into the backcountry, you know. And and he talks about this a little bit, and you'll see. And we're actually dropping dropping a little mini documentary on the whole experience. Uh, I went with Kevin Estella and Julian, our the media guy, and and met, hung out, and spent a couple of days with him. He's a great guy, great host. And um, but what a lot of people don't know is. Like these aren't your little dainty fainting goats, <laughs> dude. He has goats that are two hundred and like thirty pounds, like massive goats. I mean, they're carrying up to what sixty pounds. Yeah, they and carry so, they carry about sixty to seventy percent of their body weight. It's pretty impressive. And so they're. I mean, you take a handful of those out on the trail, and mm-hmm. you got all of your stuff. Yeah, they eat the grass all up there, so you don't yeah. need to bring food. Completely. If you really want to go to the next level, you bring a dairy goat and you milk it, and you got milk up <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, seriously. And <laughs> uh, and he talks about that all this. I don't want to steal his thunder, but how much how useful these goats are and and how wide the spectrum is of things that they can do for you. So uh, guys, without further ado, Mark Warnke and Kevin Estella. Hey guys, this is Kevin Estella with Fieldcraft Survival. And today on the podcast, we've got a legend in the goat space. And I say legend because this is day two of training pack goats, learning all about them. And I put some things up on social media and everyone was like, oh my God, you're with... and 
Yes, I am. Uh, with Mark Wernke. Um, so, Mark, welcome. Actually, I should be the one getting welcomed. I'm sorry. I'm in your kitchen, so it's nice to be in your kitchen. How are mm, you? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. It's really fun to share you know, something that ended up being a passion, still is my passion, and I stumbled into the business side of it. It's one of the great, the great ways you can do what you love and make a living at the same time, because it just doesn't feel like work, and then sharing it with people becomes super cool, because they're just such a life-changing you know, changing critter. So when I see people catch the bug, it makes me happy. Yeah, and sharing it is what you're really good at. I mean, just yesterday, you, you welcomed us into the backyard. You said, here, I'm gonna get them riled up. You ran with them, they followed you, I mean, like dogs, um, you've got a very active social media page. Packgoats.com is your website. Um, we were just talking about some of the videos that you have that have gone viral. People from all walks of life are, are learning to appreciate goats. And it's funny because I posted one picture of a goat, uh, me holding a goat. And I had guys from all different backgrounds, uh, women from all different backgrounds, everything from former high school students that are currently in college to guys that are uh, active military to, you know, like the quote unquote soccer moms and NASCAR dads. Everyone was like, that's amazing. That's amazing. So what is it about goats that draws people to them? Like what's the, what's the appeal? Well, great question. And I always use this term is that they're an anointed critter. You know, God has special animals that we have an affinity towards. And I believe that he made certain critters for us to interact with and commune with of sorts. There's some that I think he made for us to pay attention to and see how they act and, and where they are energetically. And there's others that he made us to want and to work alongside with for food, work, or milk. Uh, or companionship and goats are one of the few that fill like every criteria and at the same time they got the cuteness factor of these little grasshoppers of love when they're babies and they're these I mean people walk into my pasture I mean you relate to it I mean I always tell people the first thing people say when they walk into my yard is holy shit they're way bigger than I thought they were gonna be right and that's what you guys right. said too and all that then you get merciless with you know, 30 inch long horns. He's super tall with a big beard and he's the first one that walks up to you because he's the alpha. And the first thing he does is put his head down so you'll cuddle him, right? right. So it's this it's this strange assumption and, and all that stuff, but they're, they're super loving and they're super powerful and they can work for us and they make milk for us. And they're these willing participants in life with human beings. And I think it's anointed. I think it's a special animal God made. And now something that you, you corrected me on yesterday and I had no idea and God knows I would never do this to a dude. What did you say it was like if you go up to a goat and you touch its horns? <laughs> what? I don't say that publicly very okay, often, but I'm willing to share. Right. I said the way to think about it when you touch a goat in his horns, it's like me touching you in the balls when we just met, right? Yeah, that's They're kind of like, why are you touching me there? That's, that's weird for me. I don't like it. And they also then cross communicate that you are willing to interact with them as another fellow goat would in talking horn to horn. And that's just not a good thing because then they're going to think they can do that with you. And, and you were saying yesterday that if you get on that level with them, I mean, it, it sounds like, like we're joking around, you know, we don't want to talk about touching people's balls, but on a very serious level, like if you start communicating that way with a goat, they may get what we may perceive as aggressive with you, right? Like they'll start Correct. Yeah, it's the, it's the, it, it's super interesting how they end up working with us. So they work with us because we bottle feed them and then they bond. And so a goat's assumption is that they're a human and they assume that we're a goat. They don't have a mirror to look into and say, man, I look different. The other guys look different, but everybody's kind of on the same planet. We become part of the herd. In fact, as an example of that, if I, who own them as their life, I bottle fed them, I've had them forever, I feed them every single day. If I come across two hikers going the other way on the trail, I actually have to ask the hikers to let me walk away first or the tail end of my string will follow them. In goat world, humans and goats are the same thing when they're bonded. And so in goat world, goats don't walk away from goats. Goats hang out in a herd. So it's super weird for them to see one going in one direction and they go, well, I guess that's where we're going and everybody wants to go that way. So I literally have to tell them to stop. So in that bonding process, um, they have that deep bond 
and they communicate with each other daily with their horns, but they have to treat me differently. And I do that by little tricks and boundaries of never being physical with them, using a squirt bottle as a disciplinary tool rather than my hand. I can use a voice, I can throw a rock, but I can't manhandle a goat because it communicates to them that's okay to do with me too. So it's, it's kind of a, it's this strange boundary relationship and how they learn. They learn similarly to a dog, but differently. A dog can take a heavy hand, a goat can not. What was interesting, I think to me is people that are listening probably have an assumption of the type of goats we're talking about based on their past experience with goats that don't have horns and goats that they might have seen at like the local farm that might be like a co-op or something. But you have a very specific type of goat, right? Like you're not breeding just your average run-of-the-mill goat with like a half-broken horn. I mean, like just not like your your basic, you called them yesterday like a $100 goat. These are these are, I don't like using the term pedigree, but they're more suited for what you're doing, right? They are. So these are, these are goats that the majority of their past genetics are based on a judge saying they have proper skeletal conformation, proper back conformation, where their neck leaves their shoulders, um, how, their, uh, how their legs sit on the ground. Um, there is proper walking conformation in a goat. And luckily the dairy and the meat industry still hold standards for proper skeletal structure. And that lends itself to the uses that I do because I look for certain tendencies within that. And you know, we, we still want a functioning animal that can bear its own load and bear the load that I'm gonna put on it. And so the biggest missing though that, that, that occurs is that I would say only 15% of goats in America are, are ready to be a good packer, mostly because the, all the rest are too small, right? The average goat out there is 150 pounds. All mine are 200 to 250, right? So it's, it's a lot bigger, not a little bit bigger. And we're breeding for a big medium-sized goat. We don't want too, too big. I don't want a lineman trying to do an 11-mile day. I want a wide receiver that's ready, that's leggy, that's nimble, that's athletic, and carries a load super efficiently because they don't have extra body mass to carry. So we're looking for very specific things in the breeding that we're doing. And, and the other side is we're breeding back the mountain goat into these goats. I mean, they, they, they were pulled off, the dairy industry were pulled off the Swiss Alps and then domesticated and turned into an animal and then we bred and crossbred and did all the other things and have certain breed lines with certain tendencies. Um, but yes, we're breeding specifically for a packing goat. Now you use a term called confirmation. Now mm -hmm. in layman's terms or outside of like our usual understanding of what confirmation, you know, like uh, what that normally would mean. What does confirmation mean for a goat? Yeah, that's a good question. So <clears throat> it just means literally how their body dimensions and are, are and are they conducive to their body operating properly. So like, for example, the confirmation of being an endurance athlete in a wiener dog is zero, <laughs> right? Or bearing a load, okay. right? We've bastardized that breed to now be supposedly something that crawls down a hole and gets a weasel or a badger or whatever. I mean, that's what they were bred for was to do that. What we breed for is something that can bear a load and its own body mass first, still be athletic, have a gated walk, meaning that they can, they can walk and cover country large strides, they walk efficiently, um, their appendages are straight so they don't have stress on the inappropriate parts of their joints. Um, and we breed specifically for that proper body form that can carry a load. So it's, it's not like someone could just go out, find a random goat, pay a farmer, say, I'm gonna make this a pack goat. Like you really don't want to shortchange your efforts. You wanna get a proper pack goat. And I think something that uh, we should definitely talk about before we get into some of your experience with the pack goats is not just the goat, but the equipment the goat carries, right? So mm -hmm. like the panniers and, and whatnot. So um, like, let's, let's just, just jump right into it. I mean, you, let's assume that you get this proper pack goat with the right confirmation. Uh, not the wiener dog of the, of the pack goat world, but you know the the athlete of the pack dog or pack goat world. What do what does a person need to get into pack goating? So I always tell people there's three things they if they want to be a if you want to be a mediocre anything in life there's always less expensive alternatives right so there's lots of lesser expensive alternatives and there is a pick your battles right but there's three things if you want to be a top tier goat packer and you want 
what is most successful, in my opinion, in this new sport. So I want to acknowledge there's a portion of this that is still theory because we don't have the evolution of the sport itself, the years. I mean, the first pack that got put on a goat was in 1970. We are the newest generation. And then really, there was only 10 to 15 people doing it by year 2000. So we only have like... 20 years of knowing what to do with this, that's only two goat life generations. So everybody who says they know, including me, if they answered accurately, it would be, here's what I think, right? right? So here's what I think is my answer to this. You need, you need good genetics. It, and, and if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing, right? So either educate yourself to find good genetics or just come to me and I can help you get good genetics, right? The way to know how to do that is to get the Pack Goat 101 course because there's a whole chapter on confirmation that teaches you what you're looking for in a baby, a doe, and an adult. And that's the hard part is you're trying to pick out a baby because that's where you have to start from looking at a doe and the buck and going, I think I'm going to get this. And again, I would caution you, it is unlikely you know enough to make that choice, but sweet, if you can do that and less expensive, the impact is going to be, you're probably going to have a lower success ratio at the end of four years of having kick-ass packers, but you know, that's, that's people's choice. The other thing people need to spend money on, so they need to spend money on, on goats and education. They have to learn how to raise babies. Nobody knows how to raise a baby. They grow 50% of their life in their first year. If you don't raise them well that first year, help them fight parasites, help them have the proper nutrition, help them have the right, the, the right bottle feeding strategy and how often and all those different things. If you don't do that properly, literally, I've seen people that don't follow the program and have a twin brother and then side by side, another twin brother that went to another person that followed the program. The one twin that didn't follow the program, 170 pound, kind of wispy looking goat, doesn't look very healthy. The other goat's 220. So it makes a big difference. So education, proper genetics. And the last thing is you can go cheap on panniers and leashes and collars and tie lines and you can DIY all that stuff. Nobody should put any saddle on a goat but the saddle that i make because it's the only fitted genuinely fitted saddle and is it expensive yes and they're expensive to make so if we want to put a size 11 shoe on a size 11 goat that he's comfortable in we have that saddle if you're willing to put a size 9 shoe on your size 11 goat and then ask him to do 11 miles you're being unrealistic it's the foundation of the gear so they need a good saddle that's the one i make it's the only fitted one that's out there and then everything else you know i mean we can help i, I show people how to make a lot of this stuff so it's just important to me they get started right yeah i think there are a lot of people in the peanut gallery that are like well, you know, I, I've seen people overseas in foreign countries, third world countries carrying, you know, X number of pounds on their goat. They don't need all this fancy stuff. I mean, we were talking about some of the just idiotic comments that we mm. get online. I mean, do you have some favorite ones that you'd like to just address? Um, well, you know, honestly, you know, that, that whole, that whole world of defending what I know to be true in my heart, I just rather keep telling people what I know true to be in my heart. Um, I know what we're doing is in a good space. I know we're operating in proper margins to do our best. And if you want people to do mediocre work, pay them mediocre money. That's the rule, <laughs> yeah. right? And if you want people to kill it, then be willing to pay for a kill it profit margin. I'm, I'm not a greedy man. This is not a get rich thing for me. This is a, I hope I do it right. I'm not willing to put out crappy gear, crappy advice. Let's put the right amount of time and energy into all of this. And what does that cost? What's the sacrifice to my children to help you rather than help them? What's that worth? And it's just a silly thing. I think the pettiness of that world who begrudges people profit is like this, this silly socialistic model of life. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and I'll tell you guys, I mean, we, we hung out here yesterday and you know, we got a chance to look at some of his gear and everything like that. And I mean, if, if Mark were a money guy, I mean, he would be driving around in like a, a Mercedes G-Wagon and he would have, you know, all, all like, like the most bling equipment out there. And we were talking about acquiring gear and, you know, for someone who is, you know, I love garage sales and everything like that. Mark is a very budget minded guy. So I'll tell you, that's definitely not the case. If you guys want to talk trash about him, you should go somewhere else. Um, but now let, let's get into the actual pack goading. Is it goat pack goating or goat packing? Uh, I don't know. It's a new sport. We'll call it what <laughs> yeah, we want, right? Potato, right? Goat packing. Yeah, goat packing. Okay. So uh, I, I think people need to know like your background because 
I've seen your office. I've seen your, you know, the the racks on the wall and some of the photos and and the videos of how close you're getting to elk are incredible. You've got a background in hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so before all the the goat packing, can you just bring us up to speed on like your hunting background and like yeah. your, your passion for it? So, so so luckily I was always a really good paid mouth for hire and could generate revenue, um, whether it was through sales or presenting or public speaking. And what I goal was most of my adult life was to work as little as possible so I could hunt and fish as much, much as possible. And I've always held that. Uh, in the av- on average, I've spent six months a year um, in the great outdoors and six months working. So I just, I'm a professional at capturing time professionally. Then 2008 and nine hit, turned me upside down. I said, man, rather than make money to provide money to do what I love, why don't I do what I love and make money at the same time? So I tried that route. That's a much better route for anybody who's wondering. Um, um, Because again, money doesn't matter eventually. What you do every day does. And so if you're doing what you love for a living, man, it just changes the complexity of work. Um, And so for me, once I got into the hunting industry, it allowed me, I'd been bow hunting the world for 30 years, um, and it allowed me to be a hunting consultant. And so I'm the guy that hooks people up with the right places in the world, whether it's Africa. I specialize in elk and deer. I've killed 29 elk with my bow. Um, I've taken probably at least 100 animals somewhere in that range with my bow all over the world. And it's not because I like hanging stuff on the wall or collecting trophies or saying I did this and flexing muscles. It's that I love to see different places in the world because culturally it allows me to sit around a campfire with a Scottish man who's very guarded and I get to hang out with him all day long. And then he starts telling me about his wife and his kids and his family. And I genuinely get to know a culture through the hunting and fishing sports. That's why I hunted. I liked different bugs and birds and the sounds and the smells and the, and the cultural hunting side of it, I could give a shit if I have a kudu on my wall. It was the African experience as a whole that was beautiful to me. The animals were just like kind of the bait. I love to hunt and so that let me go there. So professionally I did and still do. I own a company called Toppin Adventures. I book you know well over a million dollars in hunts a year. That's still what pays the bills. It's what's basically built packgoats.com and limped it along. My first positive clash flow year was last year. So I doing that five years. So again, people who naysay margins, eh, they can suck it. I just, you know, it's just, it is what it is, right? So for me, um, I just uh, went from that and in the hunting sport, which is cool. It's a, it's a beautiful business, it's profitable. I get to help people. I feel like it resonates. But pack goats is just so much more of a passion realm. It's new. Um, people find it incredibly interesting. And I literally see lives change on a complex level by helping them to see the value of a goat. I mean, I, I yesterday, the first thing I walked in after the day of filming, you know what I commented on what was the top thing for me? Was watching you lay down on the ground and, and giggle like a little girl with little baby goats. Well, I do that, I do that anyway. I get, I'm, I'm known for my, my little girl tendencies. But, but we're, we're kind of a, 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 a people would come in from the outside and say that's a room of tough guys quote unquote right and yet everybody was giggling at these little bouncing you know babies of joy goats are an embodiment of joy they're an anointed critter and they bridge these really powerful gaps yeah i think one of the funniest things yesterday uh in addition to the little goats jumping on julian was when the big goat started eating his mountain hardware jacket and uh the goat was just like i I want that you know and julian's Mm -hmm. like it's expensive bro Uh, (laughs) i think that's those are exact words but uh now, you, you have this hunting background, you've got this passion project with goats, and there are gonna be people out there that are gonna say, well, I like hunting, and there are gonna be people, people out there that are like, I'm anti-hunting. What does uh, goat packing offer to say like the backpacker? Mm. And like from, let's use that as like example A. And then what does uh, goat packing offer, for example B, which is the hunter, who might, and I'm gonna already throw this out there, might say, well, it's hard enough for me to go into the backcountry and not get you know, kind of called out or spotted by, by game, you know, how am I supposed to do that with, with goats? Cause I already know that that's one of the, the benefits of them mm-hmm. is how, how quiet they are. But so option A backpacker, option B hunter, what can a pack goat bring to their world? So backpacking is why I got pack goats because I wanted to take my family on high mountain lake trips during the summer. I wanted my little kids there. So Tucker at that time, my youngest was, 
seven or eight, so he could walk a trail, but he certainly couldn't carry a pack. Mm -hmm. um, my wife at that time uh, was, and, and I say that uh, with still weird feeling, I've, I've been, I'm divorced now, um, but, but um, my partner at that time, she was, uh, small. And so she couldn't bear a load, not a decent load for any amount of distance. And, uh, my other son couldn't either. So it was either a stock animal or I couldn't share that with the people I loved. So on a backpacking realm, I know there's other people listening that are saying me too, right? It's either a passionate person about it that wants to take people they love or a family that realizes the task of trying to take they, they and their children and keeping it fun. The goats make it fun because then they, there's this enamored part of goats and little kids can ride goats. We build saddles for little kids to ride. Julian, do you hear that? <laughs> we're, we're putting Julian on a pack goat later. Right. Secret photos, you gotta right. be in the know to, to get them. So, 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 so they can actually facilitate getting people who physically are unable to see those amazing spaces. And that's probably one of the biggest things for me that is so amazing to see these people that normally wouldn't go that are going now, right? And uh, so, so that's the backpacking side of things. The backpacking side of things is they are a tremendous way to find the backcountry without having to carry a 50 pound pack or even a 30 for that way. Also taking in higher levels of comfort, higher levels of food, and have this amazing companion along with you that makes you like this roving rock star and people want to take pictures with your goats in the backcountry. They touch everybody we come across. So that's the backpacking side. That side should celebrate, in my opinion, the hunting side as I celebrate them. We've spent so much time saying as human beings that what we do is right and what everybody else does is wrong and it's just not where we're supposed to be. So I'm just going to assume people are going to take that high risk personally um, the hunting side of things is much more difficult than the packing side of things for us to be packing out hundreds of pounds of elk for us to be coexisting with them in those seasons so being September October November in the high country when it's super harsh we have the physical side of things and the majority of hunting happens off trail so now we have goats that have to be able to navigate terrain that isn't just a trail wandering through the woods but closing logs climbing rocks doing the things in deadfall and difficult terrain that uh, only this stock animal can do. So what goats offer is something that no other stock animal can, is they can almost get everywhere I can, right? It's just, and I don't gotta drag their ass through it. They're just gonna follow me, right? So, so goats offer on a hunter's level, a cost to entry. It's by far the least expensive stock animal to own in both gear and the price and feed. So its footprint that way is affordable. The other side of it is that it's a beautiful animal that won't stomp you to death. It also is one that's a fabulous companion and you can literally have them in your backyard. I mean, you can, the, the footprint of entry is so much less than other stock animals that that's why it's going nuts. We're all trying to get away from people in the hunting sports. This makes that more easy because in my opinion, if you kill an elk off your back further than four miles in, if you haven't done that before, you're potentially being irresponsible that you're gonna get that animal out in time in the month of September. Um, you know, and, and I'll see guys off their back that are in their eight miles and I'm so grateful that they're shitty hunters because if they killed something that far in, I just don't know what they would do. I mean, that's three trips for two dudes plus camp, you know, but if you got four goats right there, that's one trip and it's just a whole different ball game with goats. All right, guys, we're going to press pause on the podcast for just a second so I can talk to you about an app called Stereo. Uh, we wanted to let you know that we're going to be starting to do and have already been doing some podcasts. It's a live, real-time podcast that you guys can get on and interact with us during the podcast. So go over to the App Store, uh, Google Play. It's on both. Um, all the information on this app is going to be in our show notes. Click that link, follow it over, and you can find us on the app at Fieldcraft. And again, it just allows us to be able to engage with you real time during the podcast. We're going to be doing uh, Q&A sessions. We're going to be bringing in guests from all over the world, um, people from all different types of genres. And they don't even have to be in the building with us. It's, it's a really cool system. So um, again, check out the show notes, download the app, and give it a listen. Yeah, and I think they say it's uh, one out of four animals killed in grizzly country is not there when you come back. Uh, like let's say you kill it at the end of the day and you have to go back 
the next day to, to pack it out, well, I think they say it's one out of four is consumed by a grizzly, taken away. So interesting. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Can you imagine that you spend like seven hundred dollars on an elk tag? You know, well, then, more importantly, that means three out of four. Then when you reapproach, he's likely still there, right? Defending that carcass, right? right? So and, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. You you mentioned uh, the footprint of goats and how they won't trample to you, trample you to death. I had a, a person comment yesterday on one of the, the pictures I put up. They said, well, I'll just use a llama. It's bigger. I can carry more. And I'm thinking to myself, llamas are assholes. Um, I had a friend who had a, she had, she had llamas in her backyard more because she was like an animal lover than any, any other reason. And there was an attorney that was a mutual friend that came over and she's like, my llama is the most well-behaved animal, whatever. It doesn't spit on anyone. And the llama picked the lawyer to spit at for good reason. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's something that I think is really important to mention is that the startup cost is less. They're less dangerous. Um, so, so like the goat isn't going to attack you. Like you said, a horse might, you know, buck. It might, you know, kick you. It, it could do a lot of different things. So there's a lot of benefits for goats over these other, other pack animals. Um, when I think of like, a, like the investment whether it's a vehicle or a house or whatever, I always think, okay, initial investment and then long-term. On average, let's say that a person were to get one or two goats, what is the average cost of, like an annual cost for a goat? Um, so I actually have that on the frequently asked question on packgoats.com. Um, I believe food, vet, everything else like that was around 35 bucks a month. It's not bad at yeah, all. Yeah, it's not, you average it over time. Now, if you have one that's sickly more often or you have larger herds, you know, it can scale that number up and down. It could be 50 a month, could be as little as 20 a month. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, they're really not an expensive animal to own. They're fairly similar to a dog, maybe a little bit more. They require less energy and attention than a dog. Um, but uh, yeah, there you go. And you said they are technically foragers, not grazers, right? Because they're going to be eating leaves and twigs primarily versus grass. Like that's what they would prefer. Yeah. So the incorrect assumption a lot of people make is twofold. One is they'll eat anything. And number two is that they'll graze. They're not grazers. They're, they're browsers, right? So they eat similar to a mule deer. They eat similar, um, they eat similar to a, a, a wild mule deer. They have very similar diets. So they'll eat the ends off of branches. They'll eat bark. They'll eat leaves. They'll eat weeds. Um, they have one of the most intuitive palates on the planet. They can smell an, a plant's ripeness and they'll leave it alone and then come back and eat it when it's ripe. Um, so, and, and you'll see them eat only certain portions of certain plants. Like, like they like the end of this one. They like the leaves off of this one. They love the bark of this one. Like I, it, something that'll surprise you is goat crack is pine boughs. So if I went out there and threw a pine bough with pine needles, there would be a big battle in my pasture to see who got to eat it first. And only the alphas would control it until it was all gone in like five minutes. I mean, they, and they'll eat bark and everything. I mean, one of the things in the backcountry that gets funny is that my goats will end up with pine sap on their lips and then they get dirty. So it looks like they have like black lipstick on <laughs> because they love pine and sap and bark and, and pine needles so much. It's really interesting. Do you think that's because, you know, pine has high concentrations of vitamin C, like pine needles, pound potentially well that so 85% of a goat's diet is roughage. So they need roughage to move um, their rumen through. And so when a goat takes food in their body, it can take up to six days to come out their ass. And so they're going to go in and use fermentation in their belly and four different stomachs and a rechewing of their cud to make a little mix, like here's, here's a trip, right? So the baby goats that are made to eat plants are currently surviving on milk. What they actually do when it goes into their stomach is they make it into cheese and then their body takes cheese and processes it through their stomach. So if you cut open a baby goat, in fact, you've probably heard of rennet, rennet that you make yeah. yogurt and shit with. Yeah. That's the insides of the rumen and it's where they make cheese. They go and kill a goat or a, a rumen, a ruminant animal. They take out that and that's the bacteria that lets you to make 
I think it's, is it jelly or yogurt? I can't remember which um, it is. I'm not sure which one. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, wow. I'm pretty sure it's kefir actually starter, that kind of stuff. That's that. Somebody will correct us. But regardless of that, they, they literally make cheese in their stomach and you open them up, they got a little cheese ball in there. And that's how we discovered cheese was that we killed little baby goats and they had cheese in there and they went, yum, that tastes good. And now, now we got cheese. Huh. Crazy, right? Wow. Um, that... <laughs> You know, kefir is, is actually a drink that they have in a lot of Scandinavian countries like mm -hmm. Iceland and Norway mm -hmm. and Sweden. It's, yep. it's, I, I didn't know it was kefir. I always thought it was kefir. Um, but yeah, it's like a yogurt type drink. Correct. Um, yeah. But uh, something that a buddy of mine asked and he's like, dude, you got to ask him because he's thinking about buying goats. Is the poo decent fertilizer? Mm. Because they're browsers instead of grazers, it's the most diverse, beautiful poo on the planet. If you want some of the best garden fodder, they also, because it takes six days, if you look at horse poo, it's still full of the, the fibers, right? They actually don't break it down very well. Horses are very inefficient digesters, so you have to feed them tons of shit because they don't get as much out of it, right? Goats get every last ounce out of it. So what comes out that other end is so processed and so palatable that in rain, it'll become dirt in a couple of days. So you don't have these remnant goat pellets and you literally can spread raw goat poop on your garden it's not too hot right wow. now it is still better in a in a in a compost setting but it makes unbelievable compost especially if they're not eating a mono-based diet they're not just eating alfalfa or they're not just eating grass hay if you have browsing goats or goats that you take out Commonly when I'll actually try to select their poo is after a backcountry trip because everything that's there in system is badass. I mean, they, they just collected from unfarmed land all the bounty and then that's going to come out their ass over the next couple days. organic as it gets. Correct, yeah. yeah. And if you guys don't know what goat poo looks like, go on the Bristol stool chart. Uh, it is a number one, which looks like raisinets. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's not like it's this, this big honking you know, hairy sausage that comes out. It's just nasty. Um, he just said hairy sausage. Yeah, hairy sausage. Get, get that visual. Unring that bell. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, you're walking around the yard and you don't see it everywhere there because it's probably breaking down like you're, you're talking about. Correct. Yeah. So it just turns into granular, dusty stuff during the summer and turns into like a lightened layer of mud over the top of everything during the winter, which is no fun. But it certainly isn't a cow pie and it certainly isn't horse mountains and, and all those other things. So in terms of a critter to keep dealing with the poo, which is a huge part of keeping a critter, um, they're super easy that way. Now, something that you brought up yesterday that I think is worthwhile noting, because there are people that are probably saying, all right, these goats are checking all the boxes. They're, they're low maintenance. They're inexpensive. They provide amazing goat milk. They're good on the trail. Like there's a lot of good boxes that are getting checked. Something that you brought up yesterday that I thought was fascinating, kind of disturbing in an Oedipus way, was the fact that how old can a male goat be or how, how young can a male goat be? paired with a female, possibly its mother, and impregnate the mom. Four months. That is just nasty. <laughs> um, and, and Macho, macho. Might, might be my favorite goat ever. Um, there's a story <laughs> about that one that I'll tell you in private. But yeah, Macho is, is possibly the coolest goat in the entire world. Uh, total stud. Um, are there any other kind of beware of statements you want to make other than watch out for the four-year-old goats? Hey guys, we're going to get back to the Fieldcraft Survival podcast in just a minute, but I want to take a second to uh, thank one of our sponsors. Element is a drink mix that's taken over the world. Um, this stuff is pretty damn cool. With Element, you can get all the electrolytes back after fasting, working out, and it helps with the keto flu. I've done all that in the past. I tend to intermittent fast now, and I've done the keto diet, and I can tell you when you get the keto flu, it absolutely sucks. Uh, so here's the thing with element, um, it helps you fight those carb cravings and it helps kickstart your day in the morning to help you fight the grogginess. There's no sugar, artificial ingredients or coloring. Uh, a lot of professional athletes in leagues like the NBA and NFL use this as well as Olympic teams uh, for weightlifting. Uh, there are three Navy SEAL teams that use it and other tactical teams like uh, the Marines and FBI sniper teams. Uh, Element is offering the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast listeners a special opportunity to try it for free. Using our link, 
you can uh, you know get your hands on this stuff. Um, Element will send you a sample pack that includes eight packets of assorted flavors. All you have to do is pay shipping, which is in the U.S. should only be about five bucks or so. Uh, don't miss out this offer uh, because it's totally risk-free, right? I would definitely, definitely check it out. And if you end up buying some and changing your mind, you can return it and no questions asked. They're proud to offer uh, no BS customer service. And we've tried Element, Element stuff um, and it's definitely worth it. So please check them out. Uh, at the link, which is uh, drinklmnt.com forward slash fieldcraft. Right. Um, no, you know, so, so uh, I think a question that I would ask if I were other people is what's the downside? Yes. Because there is, right? So the downside is the short packer life. You're going to get 25, 30 years out of a good horse. That's a long time. You, two, three horses in your life type thing, right? Goats live a dog's life. So 12, 13 years old. They can live longer. They can live shorter. Their packer life, you really can't start loading them lightly until they're two kind of medium by the time they're three and then full on, let them have it at four. They're grown, you know, they're ready. There's all that stuff. So if you think about at four and they start slowing down at about 10, that means you have a six year packer life, which is fairly low and you need young ones coming up. You need your studs in the middle and then you need your old dudes going out and a strategy to kill or hold on to your friends, right? Which is, I mean, these are, these are deep, passionate companions by the end of their lives. I have some that I have a really large affinity towards. And I wanna to speak to that because we have this massive irrational way we look at our association with our food and with our companions and with our animals that God put on this planet. That goat's duty that he makes as a bargain to life is to die and to have something else consume him. His soul was intended to take that path. And the reality is, whether we like it or not, that's still gonna be what's gonna happen. Unless we literally like burn him in ashes, which I can't believe the resonance that would make that choice. It seems like the most disrespectful thing that could ever be done. At least bury him and let worms eat him. But for me, personally, I believe there's lots of hungry human beings, and I think it would be irresponsible to throw fresh meat in a hole in the ground. He's going to begin to not lead life effectively. Um, what kills goats, by the way, is their teeth. Any ungulate will eventually not be able to chew their cud effectively, then they don't digest effectively, and they basically degrade because they can't get enough nutrition out of their food. They can't eat enough. And so when that begins to happen, I give my male goats uh, the one thing that they love more than anything that they can't have, which is grain, because it gives them a urinary calculi stone, and you can only give it to them when they're really little, but they love it, right? I mean, it's like giving a, every Labrador I've ever killed, taken to the vet, I give them a chocolate bar before we go. Hey, here's that chocolate bar you've always wanted, right? So that's like my last gift to my dog, along with some love. For a goat, I give them a bucket of grain, they, they lovingly put their head down in that bucket and mow it, and then I put a gun to the back of their head and I shoot them. Um, it's super quick, um, they're dead instantly, and then I butcher them, I skin them, um, I save their skull, and I put it on the barn, I have a taxidermist do it, because to throw it in the garbage, I did that once, and it just, I couldn't, right. I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, I just, I literally pulled it out of the guy. I, I, I can't throw this away. This animal was too dear. I need some sort of memory. So I, I did a European mountain, you know, they're on the barn. So, so those kind of things are the things, but we do, I believe, have a duty to help them fulfill their final destiny. And if that means that you just can't do it, well then, Shoot them and have somebody get them. Because I guarantee you, you put that goat on Craigslist, somebody's going to want to buy Absolutely. it. Right? There, there's cultures out there that love to eat adult goats. But I do want to speak to this because it's important. They don't have the same reverence of the death process as, as you will. So at least have enough courage to be the death sayer and to do that part then deliver a dead goat as opposed to, I've had people show up and want to put a live goat in the back of their trunk and I'm like, ain't fucking happening. Right. I'll right. kill him then we'll put them where you want to go. But the people who come to buy goats, adult goats with horns, they have like other cultural stuff. So I'm going to at least help that goat through the death process. I'm going to eat it myself. 
which I do with almost all of them, um, but occasionally I'll sell them as well. So, um, and it's not about profit, it's just about finding somebody else who would enjoy the meat more than me. Yeah, what you just touched on is something, it's a rite of passage, I think. Every, every male, every female in this country at some point has to deal with, with death and dying. Uh, if, you, if you're a listener right now and you've got a kid who's asking questions about like, you know, what happens to the, to the dog, you know, uh, putting a dog down, like if, you're, if your kid is asking questions about the death process, they need to read the book Sounder. Uh, it was a book that was, um, you know, like, a, like an eighth grade reading list book years ago. It's still very prevalent um, in public education, but it's a good book that deals with a kid dealing with having to put down his dog. Hmm. Um, and it's one that it might be their first exposure to it. And I'd rather have them be exposed to that in a literary form than a physical form. So they know what to expect when it actually happens. Now, real quick, because we're, we're running short on time. Um, you talked about moving your goats or a person showing up just throwing a goat in a trunk like a jackass. Um, how do you transport your goats? Because you brought up an interesting uh, kind of ratio of time in the car standing to mm. time on the trail. So. So there are guys that want to know what's what's your rig. So tra transportation is important. The great thing about goats is they're one of the only stock animals you can load in the back of the truck in a hauler and get to trailheads that nobody else can. So no trailer. Correct. I, I do have a horse trailer because I got 27 goats, right? So so for me, when I want to do a lot of training or I'm packing in bear bait, which I do a lot of, I pack in 5,000 pounds of bear bait every year, right? So we feed a lot of bears to kill one or two. So those people that are going to go, oh, he bear baits? Oh, believe me, I give a lot of resources and I work my balls off to kill those two bears, right? So that said, um, uh, I'll use a horse trailer in that situation. It's tandem axle. I highly recommend people stay away from those single axles. You get a flat tire, you got dead goats with a single axle. Um, if you get a flat tire with a tandem, they work better. They're better in terms of smoothness. Um, it's not gonna beat them up on the dirt roads that we go into. But the real blessing of goats is that six big packers can fit in my short bed. I build a goat hauler that people can buy from me or they can you know, backyard do it themselves. And you, know, you can have six big packers in the back of your truck they just have to have not wind blasting them they still have to have ventilation there's certain rules with it that i help people with so they don't feel like they have to guess just don't put your goats tied up in the back of the truck like a dog that doesn't work it's it, it exhausts them so two hours in the truck is seen or excuse me one hour in the truck is equivalent to two hours on the trail so if it takes you four hours to get there and it's a rough road that's like them already being on the trail for eight hours then you put the saddles and panniers and then you're going to go for it mm -mm. what you're going to do is you're going to sleep on that trailhead and leave the next morning and allow them to recover so anytime i'm less than four hours then i'll feel okay as long as the road wasn't too rough to hit the trailhead and hit the trail but you have to account for the fact that they're going to show up being tired because they fight the invisible man back there, you know, the turns and the corners and they're back there trying to just stay balanced and they appreciate a small space because it allows them to lean against things. So my hauler just fits in the back of my truck or I tow them with the trailer. So guys, if you couldn't tell, uh, Mark's a, a, a wealth of knowledge. Um, I mean, his, his website, he has, he has countless videos and, and instructionals all about this practice of goat packing. Um, I, I mean, we can't, we can't jam it all in 45 minutes, right? It's like someone going to a martial arts seminar and saying, make me a black belt in an hour. Uh, it's not happening. So I would highly suggest you guys check out Mark's website, his social media accounts, come out here and take a class. Um, actually, are you doing any in person with COVID or is it all online right now? Everything's online. So I got a Pack Goat 101 course. I have a How to Raise a Baby Goat course. Everything you need to know about milking, how to build stanchions, how to build feeders. I mean, everybody can get it. Plus, I have uh, over 120 just free videos that people can watch. So people that want to mine through the massive information, they got that. If people want to organize the detail, we got that. Um, but yeah, I, I always pick up the phone and I always call back. I'm, I'm, I'm available. Um, and that's becoming harder and harder, but I still am. And I think that's what drew uh, Mike, Mike Lover, to you is the fact that you're, you're an American guy. You're, you're mm -hmm. here to build a community. Uh, you're here to get a message out, which I think is a really important message. Um, you're not standoffish. I mean, it was kind of funny. Well, we'll save it for offline. You know, I loved your comment last night about the one restaurant in town, again, offline. Mm -hmm. But uh you're you're very open about your your passion for this which i think is is something that will draw people to you so 
Uh, one more time before we, we sign off, where can people find you and, and what should they do like in terms of, uh, what should they do in terms of like getting in touch with you? Um, where should they start? Go ahead. Um, so, you know, I'm easy to find. My name's spelled kind of interesting, so I'm the only Mark with a C out there. M-A-R-C-W-A-R-N-K-E is my Instagram handle. To be honest with you, Instagram lacks, to me, social interaction. So I post there, but I really hang out and interact on Facebook. Um, so I have pack.goats Instagram account that my assistant manages and she does a great job and puts out kind of our more generalized information. And then there's my personal account, Mark Warnke on Instagram. Um, I also have top end adventures, which if anybody's looking to go on a hunt for anything in the world, I'm a resource for that. Um, but then on the other end of it on Facebook, uh, I have pack goats group. Um, I also have my personal and people can still follow me there. Um, I have too many friend requests to deal with, so I just don't do that anymore. Um, but in the same token, packoats.com is kind of a central collection point. And my YouTube channel is also called packoats.com. So they can find all, if you do literally Google anything to do with packoats, I'm like the first six hit, six hit. So it's pretty easy to find me. Um, and I think that's everywhere they need to go. My YouTube channel is really followed. I also really want to say one last thing. Mm -hmm. Your community, packing is rad, but they should be milking. They should be owning meat. They should have two goats in their backyard, even if they don't ever want to go into the back country. And I can help them with all of that as well. That is the direction this company is truly going, is trying to get people to realize the value of the goat. The goat itself as a companion, as a milk animal, as a meat animal, and just as a pet that will still bear a burden for you. So I think everybody should own a goat instead of a dog, to be honest. So there you go. There you go, guys. You, you heard it from the man himself. Uh, guys, please check this, this gentleman out. Uh, he's got so much information. I am fascinated with these pack goats. Um, I'm excited to, to get out on the trail uh, to some BLM land and, and do a little bit of a walk just to see them in action. And I think you guys, if you check them out on YouTube, you'll you'll understand my interest in them as well as so many other people that are that are following him now. So, Mark, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it, brother. Super fun. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that podcast with Mark Warnke. Awesome dude. Super super knowledgeable dude. Um, I wish we could have taken all the nuggets of information he gave us and put that in a video or in some other audio, but guys, super knowledgeable. So head over to patgoats.com and check out what all he's doing over there. And lastly, I just wanted to remind you guys one more time about the stereo app. It's an interactive real time podcasting app where we'll be on there real time. You can interact with us. There's a few different ways that you'll be able to do that, but we're going to be doing Q and a sessions and bringing in guests from all over the place to talk to you about all different types of genres. So, um, check out the show notes below, um, follow that link over, download the stereo app. It's available on the app store and on the Google play store and find us at Fieldcraft and tune in on Mondays at 10 AM.